Hey, Sergey, welcome to the show. Good morning, Adam. Thanks for inviting me. What was your first computer? Well, my first computer was uh, probably mainframe in the university. Oh. And, and uh, I have to admit, uh, I have a vague recollection of uh, big uh, screens and uh, without anything else, you know. Mm -hmm. So what you did with the computer then? And this is quite late at the university. Well, it was, uh, we did some uh, project work in the universities and, uh, and uh, that was it really, like, and some basic development. Yeah, okay. Like, we, we really didn't have um, laptops at the time, you know, when I was studying in the university. You know. Okay, so... What is your first pro programming language you started? Uh, so it was uh, C, I would say. So yeah, C, like basic. I didn't really try it as a lot. C, C. Okay. C. So you learned uh, C first, and then you uh, tried to translate it on mainframe, or what was the idea? No, it's, uh, there was no really translation to the... There was no idea to translate to mainframe. It was like we were asked to do our project work on mainframes, right? So, like, okay. Uh, and as far as, like, there was this Kernigan and Rishi C book, right? It was mm -hmm. really fascinating. And, yeah, that's what would be my first, was my first book. So, but how you got the idea to start programming? So you just, you know, got the book and read it? Or, or I mean, or, or well, uh, how, how, you, how you learned without computer? It, you just read it and just try to implement a program on the paper, you know. Wow. It was uh, how I got inspired, really. Yeah, this is incredible. And and how you knew that, you know, the, the book is something special? I, I, I just uh, probably talked to my friends at the time or until I started reading this and it was it was just capturing, you know, and uh, like and there were some simple programming tasks like find a number of characters in a string and things like this, you know, and uh, I don't remember all the specifics, but... Uh, concatenate multiple strings and implement it in C and you just write it on the paper and And you could imagine what happens just without computer and just you know having paper and the book? <laughs> well yes, I was hoping that I was making it right. Yeah. And so then I was I recall we were sitting in school with my friend and so what where should we go to study? And let's go to computers. Well let's do it. And that was the decision made, you know. Okay. <laughs> so so it wasn't like uh, like a planning, like two years ahead, I will be programming or anything like that. It was really pretty spontaneous, you know. So you were inspired by your by your friends, so they were developers well, or hackers or whatever, and and you got the book. Like we, like I got the book. I don't recall exactly uh, who I, whose idea was it to for me to get that book, but uh, eventually, with another friend of mine, we decided to. Uh, we talked about computers and we decided to go. Okay, cool. So then you started to study. So you enjoyed from the beginning or you say regretted? It's like this is your heart? Uh, no, not really. Like I didn't regret it, but I found that uh, when I started uh, studying that uh, many of my colleagues were already way more advanced than I was at the time. And I was impressed with that. Mm -hmm. I remember like at the first course of the university, like we had this program like finds like eight queens on the chessboard and make sure like uh, they don't conflict with each other and like my friends at the first course of the university were like calling this like a basic two plus three 
mm-hmm. uh, program and, uh, and I was fighting and challenging. It took me longer to embrace like software programming as such and uh, it took me longer to to get to like uh, really start enjoying it, you know. Yeah, because they had more practice, right? Actually, yeah, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, like they had more practice, and uh, it took me longer. This is same here, actually. <laughs> In my study, uh, all my colleagues were more advanced. They had already you know sophisticated computers, and they were. And I, I actually had a very basic one, and uh, I didn't even had I think Windows back then. So and the others one, you know, they 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 talk about compression algorithms and what they are talking about, right? So I, I was just, you know, uh, they exactly the same here. So I was, uh, um, but then I could you know to 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 catch up. But at the beginning, I thought there is no chance for me, you know, to complete a study. Yeah, I recall uh, having Felix this, and I didn't have computer at home at all at the time. Mm-hmm. So. I bought one. Uh, it was like eighty eighty, but back then there were Pentiums around, you know. I bought, you know, a, a very basic one with this cat. So there, there was, no, I could program a little bit Turbo Pascal, but this is not what we did uh, at, at study. So this was the, the the thing, right? So this was complete, complete crazy. Um, interesting. So, but you like that? So it was a challenge for you, and you kept learning, right? Or yeah, yeah. I just uh, once I got into this, I uh, started enjoying it. Though to be honest, like in the university, mm-hmm. like we had many other subjects which had really little to do with programming. So and so you had to spend time on just just going through the course and so on. And um, but uh, yeah, as far as uh, programming is concerned, once I got into this, it was enjoyable. Yeah. So you started with C. What was your next language? I think uh, the, the the at the end of the university we were moving to C plus plus. I never tried Pascal or something. I might have tried. I might have some basic exposure to that. Mm-hmm. But uh, C plus plus. That's what we were moving to. Or uh, yeah, that would be it. And shortly after the university, um, I continued with C and C plus plus, right, for mm-hmm. a while, and then. Like uh, I had an uh, uh, exchange program in England for a year, and there, unexpectedly, I had to do both Cabal and Rex. You know, this is something to do with the year 2000 program. You know, Rex, you said R-E-X. Yeah, exactly, Rex. R-E-X and Cabal, yeah. So there was a year 2000 program we were dealing with. So I didn't expect it. By the time I arrived, it I was expecting like really doing C plus plus high tech, high tech exactly, and uh, on the ground it was totally different, and it was disappointment. It was, it was a disappointment, but it was an interesting experience nonetheless. You know, mm-hmm. I thought it was uh, even challenging at times. So it was an interesting one. Uh, one one question regarding university, the last one. Uh, how many of your sophisticated friends, you know, uh, didn't or broke up or didn't manage to, you know, complete the university or everyone completed? I think uh, everyone completed, but I definitely know that uh, a good number of uh, my friends didn't continue as software engineer. Okay. That's uh, that fact. Yeah, yeah. That, that's so, interesting. Well, right? Yeah, that just they finished and then they thought they would do something else. Okay, interesting. So, okay, you are then in UK. 
So, and you you spent some time with uh, with Cobol. Was it something interesting in Cobol, or you said again waste of time? And uh, no, it to... wasn't. Yeah, I didn't see that as a waste of time or anything like that. It was just like it's it's the task that has to be done, you know. And like as far as my general attitude is, and like anyone today, like there are tasks sometimes which I'm not really particularly excited about it, but uh, we yeah. just have to do it. And uh, and specifically, once I got there. I got into the team and I was like, look, you have to do Rex, Cobol. Well, it had to be done. And uh, I've always been considering myself like a, a, a team member. So that was it, you know. Yeah. I did, and, I did enjoy it, you know. And, and Cobol was, uh, I mean, it was it interesting to learn or nice to learn if you know knew already C <laughs> or was it, or was it, uh, what I was think the think I think I had some recollections of, Cobol-like structures uh, from the university again from the okay. times and mainframe, so I had some head start on that. And uh, Rex was a totally new language for me, but again, it was kind of similar as, uh, okay. to Cobol as far as I recall, at least now. And uh, it wasn't particularly challenging, but we had to fix things and uh, to do some year two thousand work, and yeah. And cool. so for, what was enjoyable for me was the fact that something was done by the end of the day, and that was good. What happened after COBOL? Well, after COBOL, I returned back to my original job in uh, Belarus, right? And uh, I continued, soft, uh, I was writing software for, for, um, for terminals, right? For processing. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, credit transactions, right? And uh, and then I eventually got to Ireland, and uh, that was uh, C plus plus continued, right? Mm -hmm. And then, like pretty immediately, we moved to Java, right? And from then on, why? On uh, how it happens from C plus plus to Java? What was the reason actually? So the 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 the, the like the, the the software. We were, were writing, like in the originally was in C plus plus. The reason for moving to Java was because I moved to a new company called Iona Technologies, right? And uh, Iona, yeah, Iona Technologies in Dublin, right? And uh, they did Corba, right? Oh yeah, so that's another interesting story. When I moved to Iona Technologies, I read the whole Corba book. Preparing uh -huh. to write only core applications, but by the time I got in Iona, it was only Java for me, right? Okay. And what I did then? So what you did? It's interesting because Iona was uh, was Orbix, right? And Iona, they were the big competitors back then with Corba. Visigenic. Uh, so no, what I did was an, an Artix project. That's really originally like mostly in C plus plus, but there were like uh, Java bridges in Artix. For Java mm -hmm. developers, and that's uh, where I eventually moved to. Yeah. So Iona was uh, I Iona was Orbix, and the Visigenix was Visibroker, I think, right? And uh, interesting because I didn't knew that they are from Ireland. I thought it was a US company. Uh, no, Iona Technologies is the real Irish success story. It was born in Ireland, right? And uh, I'm really proud I managed to just to get it by the time I was. Um, distance and uh, it's a totally Irish company. It is. 
It's it, doesn't ex- it doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. But uh, and then it was uh, acquired by Progress, and uh, and there was like a total Java from then on. It was built on how it's called Guinness, right? <laughs> <laughs> on Guinness <laughs> beer. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. uh, and what did exactly you built uh, C to Java Bridge? So, uh, like uh, the, the, the in Iona itself, technologies, uh, it was, Artix uh, was a was a it's a C plus plus based project, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, but uh, we're writing like we wanted Java developers to use it mm-hmm. as well. So there was mm-hmm. uh, GNI work, and uh, mm. and then. Um, and then slowly and surely we moved to Java. Like I don't recall all the precise details of how it happened, but uh, eventually we started contributing to open source. We started getting involved into Apache Software Foundation, and oh. it's, it's uh, back then where my interest in open source software, um, open source software was born. Right and. Uh, Apache CXF project was created, and from then on, my interests were basically lying there. So was the uh, Apache CXF uh, somehow based or founded by Iona? Iona? It was uh, founded by uh, Dan Kalp and other software engineers from Iona Technologies, and the idea was just to move to the open source, right? Uh, we thought, the, the company thought that uh, open source was the future. Right and uh, and origin, originally Apache CXF was uh, a SOAP implementation like uh, for mm-hmm. web services, mm-hmm. and then we started implementing uh, JAXRS. Oh, the, what, what I understood is the the Artix was C plus plus. Then you created a bridge. Then you rewrote the Artix from C plus plus to Java, right? Uh, no, it's, I don't think it was completely rewriting to Java, right? So the Artix uh, project itself was like the project I started in. So uh, the Apache CXF can be considered like as evolution of this project uh, mm-hmm. in an open source, in a okay. Java world. Right? On Artix it, was like about SOAP, was about Corba RPC, what was it? It was uh, everything, I think, as far as okay. I recall. It was like, uh, there were like, I think, Corba connectors. It was uh, C++ web services, SOAP, right? It was really totally SOAP-specific uh, project, right? There was no REST or anything like that in Arctic. Okay. This is interesting. I was not aware that Iona was, you know, somehow in, involved in in Apache. So it's interesting. So CXF. Uh, there were there were the roots of Apache CXF project, right? Yeah. Uh, with, uh, and then JaxOS started. So it was like you know these uh, parts of the CXF because CXS was back then also about SOAP. I think at the beginning, right? Yeah. Originally it was about SOAP, and then uh, one of my uh, colleagues started uh, doing the JAXRS work and I just joined and uh, and from then on for me it was only about mm-hmm. that project. Really. So the only thing I wanted to do was JAXRS and sex. That's interesting. So so it means you were paid by Yona and you work for Apache? Yeah, yeah. We were like like in reality most of Apache Software Foundation the paid mm-hmm. employees but like Many of us at the time were like really, really passionate about it. So we would do work after work as well, you know. So it yeah. wasn't only day work, you know, for, for many of us. No, sure. 
But it was sponsored by IONA. It was sponsored for IONA, Apache CXF project for a while. What happens with IONA then? It just, uh, the actual uh, business of IONA just ran out of steam, I suppose. Like the Corba, the uh, Arctic uh, didn't have many customers. And then it was acquired by Progress, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, Progress itself acquired company dealing with open source mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. uh, the whole Iona story ended there. Okay. But it's still so, a very successful Iris story. Yeah, um, I'm just um, interested in Corba right now because uh, w- what I think is Corba was actually interesting. So not interesting, it was very pragmatic and it worked well. And it was sad that Corba is too bloated, but it was particular particular successful right in iot area where uh, we cannot say it is bloated because it works on on not mobile in embedded devices even and uh and then corba as you said was less popular and what happened you know uh, grpc started project like google but for me it is a very similar to corba it's like you know uh, uh picking you know the maybe not not the best ideas from Corba and reapplying and selling as a Google technology, right? Well, you see, what I've been thinking about gRPC is like the whole, like it's it's an interesting story because the reason REST has become so popular is because they want to touch, avoid gRPC in the first place, right? Exactly. And, and now uh, gRPC repopularizing, repopularizing RPC and it's kind of the industry is going in circles. Yeah. We're going back to RPC, but in a really probably better formation because in gRPC, you can better handle like backward and forward compatibility because it's not yeah. only binary format, but, uh, but also because uh, uh, you can apparently use JSON to represent payload, right? So uh, it's, yeah, all about, it's all about... Uh, managing things at scale. So if with gRPC or REST, if clients or servers can change things without breaking anyone else, then it can work. Yeah, but you know the argumentation is always interesting. You know, Corba is too bloated. Is that okay? But if it's too bloated, why it works you know, on IoT devices? Okay, it's not too bloated, but it's too complicated. Okay, what is complicated? And what I saw, what's what's really bloated is maybe that you can you know find the uh, you have to look up the naming service first, and if you have the naming service, you can look up the next service. But this could be you know hidden. You can write a small Java facet with one liner and, and hide the entire thing, and they will have mm-hmm. one method. You know, this was not a problem. And they say, okay, then SOAP. SOAP is nice because B, uh, WSDL and, you know, ASCII. And then right. the WSDL was not used at all. So what people u- used in projects, string arrays, you know, back and forth because they couldn't manage the WSDL. And then, you know, they didn't want to ask it how it's called, you know, the binary encoding and SOAP. It's like, okay, if SOAP is about ASCII, why are you using binary encoding? And if you are into, you know, into interfaces, why your WSDL is just string arrays? <laughs> and the, the, the entire argumentation, argumentation was crazy. And then, you know, I say, okay, then we need uh, JAXRS is great. And because we don't need schema and we can just, you know, ensure everything in code. And now we go JSON schema. So, okay, if we have JSON schema, why, why XML schema was bad, right? So this was a back and forth. But this is, this is a natural evolution of the industry. Like, you know, it just yeah. like people would like to keep changing things. And, exactly. Uh, and, uh, and this is... Uh, 
it's just a natural evolution and and in fact and then we, people will start reinventing things okay and in a better packages for example grpc if you're talking about grpc in particular yeah i i don't know whether it is better because if you would take you know the older corba and wrap it with nicer java builder you would be done and the entire you know the entire result would be nicer experience grpc you know what i mean because we could, uh, or for instance, Corba could become part of CXF. And then I would use, you know, Microprof RS client, which would behave like Corba. So I could just inject, you know, the Microprof RS client, could talk via REST or Corba, I would be done. I, I would just use the IOP protocol, but I wouldn't care, you know, about Corba at all. And this gRPC right now is not that far. So I have, you know, your specific libraries. It's not well as well integrated as it was, you know, as it could be. With uh, with CXF, for instance, what I mean, and uh, reinventing. I think people forget, or or they want to change just to change, right? So there are many many consultants like me, and they need some, you know, some titles for the conferences, and they say, okay, then you know this is bad. Now do it, and and everyone listens and try you not know, to change already working things and forget. We forget, you know, the problems from the past, maybe. Well, uh, nonetheless, nonetheless. During these evolutions, things are getting simplified, right? Yeah. Like, for example, when I was working with XML, I was really reluctant to start working with JSON. But after working with JSON for a while, yeah. finding how much simpler it is, you know, yeah. how much simpler it is. It's really important to have uh, for things to, to be at scale, at web scale. Things have, have to be loosely coupled. And they have to be the language of communication between the systems has to be loose, you know, like the system has to be able to ignore and recognize content, you know. Yeah. All of this is tolerant reader, problem. right? Yes. Okay, very good. So what happened uh, after Iona? You switch companies or what happened to you? Uh, well, uh, I was let off after like when the Iona was finishing business. When was it? Which year was it roughly? I honestly don't remember now. Like it was maybe, uh, maybe twelve years back, or maybe more. Because like the Java CXF project, our my implementation of JaxRS project was not really of particular interest at the time. There. Okay. Because Iona been wrapped up, and um, so pretty immediately I joined Red Hat, right? Pretty immediately. Oh, okay. Uh, you never um, worked for Sun. I thought you you worked for Sun Microsystems in one part. No. No, no, I didn't. I, I, I spent about six months at Red Hat, right? And I was asked by my Apache CXF colleagues, "Do you want to join us again?" And I didn't have a second of uh, hesitation. Really, like I just I left Red Hat after six months and I joined the company called Talent. It's a French-based company, and they were investing into CXF, right? So, uh, ah, okay. And from then on, I had uh, happy seven years working for them and Apache CXF. Ah, interesting. So you, you left Iona roughly 2011, then you spent a half year at Red Hat, and then you joined Talent yes. for another seven years, 2018 roughly, something like that, yeah, right? Yeah, and, uh, and to be honest, I'm not sure I would be at Red Hat today if they didn't start changing to Spring, you know, if uh, if they didn't decide to strat- go with Spring strategically, I would maybe not be on Red Hat today here but... Uh, who, who did it in talent, you'd say? Yeah, yeah 
they, okay. s- they decided to move to spring and uh, for me it was even though I was happy working for them I was number one employee in Dublin for okay. them and uh, nonetheless like it was I, I couldn't be the prospect of working in spring and uh, okay and uh, Apache CXF JaxRS project has such been under the radar and therefore I decided to move away back to what is talent about? I don't. I, I saw the talent. I think in the, and you you were the Jaxores uh, uh, expert group member, right? I was, yeah. I was. Yeah, this is why I know the talent because I always go to the spec and I saw your name, but I, I in talent. But I thought you worked for Sun for other reasons. Okay, and what is talent? Is it like consulting company? What is it? No, talent uh, is a French based company. They were creating like uh, tools for processing data. So they had uh, a really nice uh, environment where you could get data, trans- transform them, and you just design the whole transformation process and, um, in uh, UI. And uh, But then they, they decided to diversify and invest into the ESB oh. system. And so that's how um, eventually... I just decided to invest into CXF as one of the projects in the okay. Apache Software Foundation. So we had this ESB uh, division, which is still around in Thailand, and, uh, and we were investing in different projects. Uh, okay. CXF, uh, in particular, they were interested in Camel along the way as well, and uh, so on. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, okay, and then they switched to Spring, and you said you don't like... To do spring, right? So what, what I understood? Yes, no. Why not? I mean... Well, you see, like, uh, my whole career was about creating, uh, like, the, the last year, like, working for Talent was about creating Apache CXF JaxRS project, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a total competitor to spring, you know? Oh, oh I didn't sort of... But spring doesn't support JaxRS? No, they have their own uh, RESTful services for spring. But, but, they, but they could... Uh, I, I mean... But is this technically possible to run JaxOS on top of Spring, right? Or no? Uh, possibly possible, but yeah, Spring uh, developers, they wouldn't typically do JaxOS on Spring as far as I know. Like, they would do okay. This was not aware of. I thought that this would be no problem for Spring, you know. I, I have I never did a project in Spring. I just you know, so this is why I'm asking. Because what I know, they integrate well usually with Jakarta E and Java E. So I'm surprised that... JaxRS was... Yeah, like, I'm not really sure if someone running JaxRS on top of Spring, though, to be honest. Like, uh, I think okay. uh, Spring developers, they do, do Spring REST uh, kind of different okay. so, everything. So you are not opposed to uh, to Spring, but the problem is that Spring does not accept JaxRS, so you say, okay, without JaxRS, not with me, right? This was the main problem. Uh, at the time, I wasn't just, like... For me, it was always about going my own way, like, as far as... Uh, Programming is concerned. I wasn't interested in joining Re- Spring and embracing the vision of how to do software, right? Okay. And so I wasn't really particularly opposed to them as such at the time, but I just didn't go, didn't want to go their way. Cool. So it, you joined Red Hat, and I say, okay, then join another evil company. I'm just kidding. Right? <laughs> <laughs> to do. Uh, um, no, I like Red Hat actually. This was just, uh, you know. Um, what, it's, um, it's, it's a very healthy company to work for, absolutely. I, know, I, just, I found after trying different things, I finally found my phone, home now. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's my last company I'm working for. 
Oh, yeah, don't say this, you know. Who knows? Uh, Maybe it's, no, it's uh, it's uh, unless uh, like like industry interferes, you know. If you know, you know what I mean. That's um, yeah. I wouldn't be planning to uh, uh, change mm-hmm. anything. So, what is your task uh, at Red Hat? So you started, you know, you switched from talent to Red Hat. What, what was? Yeah, I joined. Talk? I joined uh, a project called Wildfire Swarm. Ah, so, uh, okay. So it was a project uh, like like uh, meaning to apply like a uh, microservices idea to the more um, kind of bigger micro wildfly project, and uh, that was eventually renamed to Thorntail, mm-hmm. and uh, Thorntail. Matched with like yeah, this project. is uh, this is good, but uh, I never liked Thorntail nor White Whitefly Swarm, and the reason being because I always used to know the full Whitefly, and for me it was small enough, so I, I d- couldn't understand why someone would like you know to go the extra route with Thorntail and Swarm, because I say what you I mean f- Whitefly booted fast, it was you know it was or still boots fast, it is the memory consumption is small. It's like on the, the Whitefly Swarm, uh, uh, Swarm and Thorntail for me was just, you know, like the 10% optimization who I didn't care at all. So I mean, okay, I never used that and I don't understand it, right? This was my, my um, many people ask me about that. This is my honest, you know, answer. So why, why are you doing this? Well, by the time I came to the project, this was really far advanced project, Wildfly Swarm. So why it mm-hmm. was created, I'm supposing like they wanted to... Again, follow the microservices idea to smaller items and mm-hmm. so on. I, that's, uh, I suppose, how it was created. Mm-hmm. And then Quarkus came out, and uh, the 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 um, Red Hat, uh, someone from Red Hat said, "Okay, before it came out, you have to look at this." It's like I'm not interested. I already saw, you know, Thorntail, and I already saw Swarm. It it is maybe something that even though five percent better, I'm not interested. But then. I don't know. I say, okay, I just take a look. Maybe it is something different. And it is different because, you know, it is like complete rethinking what could be done. And this is what I like. So because it's not like patching, it's like, okay, we do it right. And and then I was hooked because um, I think I've wrote one of the first articles in Germany or in German, you know, uh, article uh, about uh, Quarkus. I even c- created my first extension back then just for fun. At the very beginning, Quarkus 1. And uh, what I like is that uh, for me, you know, Whitefly deployed at runtime and Quarkus deploys at build time. So for me, it was this is this is this is the simplest idea, but it was so obvious, and I, I never saw this. This was this right. So if that I was... say, of of course, it is like it has to be this way, but uh, back then I never saw the opportunity to do it this way. So I was really amazed that someone built a solution which works like that. It was a unique solution, absolutely. You know, building it, like creating things at build time, mm-hmm. it was really hard to understand for me initially even when I joined, how yeah. it could have worked, you know. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, the team, the original team which co-created Quarkus uh, really thought deeply about it. Yeah, and, and the, the crazy part in Quarkus is it, it optimizes build time, but the build time is still fast. This is what True. I don't get. Right? Is this uh, you would you would assume if 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 the optimization happens you know at build time, it is slow. But the build time optimization is still faster sometimes, or no, I would say always faster than deployment or whitefly. You know, this is the crazy part. <laughs> well, the like like we have industry experts in performance, right? Like we have guys who just uh, like 
know how to squeeze every milliseconds of everything. So like, and, uh, and that just shows off, you know. Mm-hmm. Very good. So what you do? What you did then? So it, uh, the the Thontail was merged. Was really merged to Quor- to Quarkus or was it wasn't it? merged? It was more, more like uh, apparently like I wasn't involved in creating original Quarkus. Like Thontail ideas were fed into the Quarkus. Yeah, exactly. So and, maybe you copy and pasted yeah. something which worked, right? Not like well, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> and uh, the team which worked for Thorntail followed, and uh, and initially I just uh, I created my first extension for Quarkus for Apache Tika. So uh, this is one of the I'm I'm a committer to Apache Tika. It's an amazing project. Uh, yeah. I, oh, you never mentioned Tika right now. So uh, how how you started to work at Tika? Well, it's it's Apache. It's a it's a it's a project in Tika. I was I was uh, helping out to integrate Apache CXF with the they have uh, Apache Tika is about transforming data, right? From passing uh, whatever format is available in the world and and and. and making it accessible with a simple uh, API and they have a server where mm-hmm. someone can post a PDF or uh, any mm-hmm. other document and the server is based on Apache CXF, right? And, uh, ah, okay. And that's how I ended up working with the team and it's really one of the most friendliest projects in Apache Software Foundation. I really recommend anyone who would like to try Apache Software Foundation and just try to do open source contribute to the project it's it's uh, it's a very welcoming project and and um, it's really a good project to start open source development so what means if you would like to have some fun in software development join Tika, right absolutely yeah like if you are looking for options to to how to do open source uh, where to start from that would mm-hmm. be a good project to start so this is apache tika tika.apache.tikka and, yeah. and this is content analysis toolkit. So, what is actually the killer use case for Tika? So, let's say w- when I w- would like to use Tika for what? Well, you have, well, let's say, you have uh, uh, dozens of different formats to process, right? Mm-hmm. So, you have one option is to write uh, format specific library, and and you would like to get text out of each, either of those files. So, uh, the the uh, you you have an option to write ten, ten different uh, programs which will uh, use uh, PDF reader, then um, I don't know, open the format reader, open uh, mm-hmm. Word reader, Excel reader, and so on, and get that text you need. Or you can use Tika, which will pass it for you, right? Mm-hmm. And then you use Tika API to get uh, that text irrespective of what. Mm-hmm. format was used to present the text. So what Tika so, does, I can submit PDF and it will create like a metadata representation, like metadata exactly. model? Exactly. Yeah, it will, uh, it will give you headers represented as that document metadata, yeah, and then it will get you, give you content, right? And the content is also a Java object or... or, or uh, no, the, 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 the content, I think it will be represented as a, like, the actual content will be text, you know, but uh, API can get you, can get you access to bits of text. Uh, you could write a sax parser, for example, and so on. And, uh, so but what you don't I, have to. What I mean, so we have the, we have the JAXRS endpoint, so I can go to Tika via REST, but I could also embed Tika, I guess, right, as a, as a Java library. 
And yeah. then I would expect to have a pojo or something which re represents the document, right? So I yes, have... yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. cool. So it's and, similar... uh, we have it. We have it on Apache uh, Cork US. It's a Cork US extension now, and it's a Cork Stick extension. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, it is similar to Apache Poi somehow, right? This is the uh... Uh, no Apache Poi. I think it's it's it's, it's Microsoft more Office. advanced. Uh, it's a uh, yeah, yeah. Apache Tika can use Apache Poi, right? Okay. But, uh, so, but Apache Poi is a like a library dedicated to processing uh, this document. So yeah. uh, it's more advanced as far as possibilities are concerned about processing these types of documents. Sure, but it's similar Tika is about Yeah, Tika is about streamlining the processing of documents, especially if you are streaming large sequence of uh, a large number of documents in different formats and you would like to do search, for example, in the text. Hmm? Uh, combined with Apache Lucian, for example, that would be an interesting combination. Or even machine learning, right? So yes, can... that's exactly the case. Yeah. Yeah, very good. And you are a committer of Tika? Yeah, I'm not an active committer in Tika, but... Uh, Commit rights. Uh, I'm a committer and uh, on a project management committee, but, uh, but just, um, I would like to say why I wrote the first extension in Quarkus. Uh, was about Tika because I mm -hmm. really was um, grateful to the Tika team. Yeah, very good. Uh, so, so uh, okay. So this was like a gift, right, to Tika? It wasn't a gift. It was uh, my thank you. Really. Perfect. So, um, okay. So the uh, Thorntail was merged, or how to call it, refactor, reused, or whatever, to Quarkus. Yeah. Not, not actually, Quarkus yeah. started, and 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 the, you could look at Thorntail what we could use from Thorntail because it was complete rethinking. What was your first you know, action in Quarkus except using Tika? Because Tika was like you know an an, an exercise, right, for you. But what was your the actual job in Quarkus? Well, uh, okay, so uh, then I started uh, like even back when I was working for Apache CXF, I started uh, like during the last three years of this. JaxRS was implemented, and my last few years in Apache CXF was mostly about working with security, right? So mm -hmm. I got involved in OpenID Connect, the mm -hmm. JSON web token security, and so when in Quarkus I started looking at security questions from users and security mm -hmm. issues. So um, after working for a while, like answering those questions. Uh, I became a Quarkus security coordinator. So, ah, okay. So that's what my uh, main job in Quarkus is now today. It's about uh, security, right? And okay. It's about, it's about uh, my particular professional interests are about OpenID Connect mm -hmm. and the sum of token security, but I work with my colleagues uh, and we deal with all security related issues. So you're working for JSON Web Tokens or JSON Web Microprofile JSON Web Token, Open ID Connect. So this is your particular interests, you know. Uh, microprofile, uh, microprofile uh, is like a specific specification, but right. But uh, generally, it's about uh, Open ID Connect and JSON Web Token security. Mm -hmm. That would be my specific uh, professional interest. Yeah. So I also consider you as a JaxRS expert, of course. So I have one question to you because. Um, um, there is a Loom, there's Quarkus, and there's JaxRS. And what I really like is, you know, the standard JaxRS uh, programming model without mutiny, without reactive, just JaxRS straight. 
and I never had any issues. And uh, from the performance perspective, it behaves for me good enough. And Loom is on the horizon. So uh, if I'm building, you know, create, read, update, delete, CRUD application from the enterprise with, RD, uh, with uh, let's say, a relational database like Postgres as a backend, um, is there any reason to use the reactive thing? Or I could say I can just keep you know, happily doing my simple Java programming request response with JaxRS. As far as I understand from uh, our reactive ex- programming experts, right, Loom is not really ready for widespread adoption, right? Yeah. So right now, using Uni would be the best option. Sure. Okay. But okay. if it if it comes, uh, and uh, when it comes, uh, Quarkus will be absolutely ready to get the best out. Uh, we are working right now on this. The team is looking into Loom deeply. Yeah. And uh, also some options are already available. We have uh, so-called random virtual thread uh, option. But I don't and even need that. So what I mean, w- w- what I always did, I wrote, you know, simple JAXRS code, right? Path, you know, response back. From time to time, uh, the suspended, but this was exception from the, from the rule. So usually just, you know, straight, plain Java code. Mm. If I'm happy with it, I can just go with it and wait for the loom. There is no reason for me, if the performance is okay, you know, to switch to reactive programming. This is what I wanted to ask you, right? Uh, but uh, Quarkus will be super fast in this case. Yeah. But uh, optimizing event loop processing would be better for the performance at scale. Like if you're dealing with hundreds of users at a time is one thing. If you're dealing with thousands of requests at a time, Uni is the right way for this yeah, kind of... Of course. Space. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, most enterprise apps have maybe, you know, 20 users at most, and they and they think they are web scale. I'm with you. If I'm building, you know, and uh, something on larger scale, it means I have uh, Quarkus on a beefy machine and uh, hundreds mm. or thousands of users are hitting this thing. I, I'm with you. But uh, what happens is the contrary, right? Because if you, if you go to the cloud, you get multiple Quarkus maybe on two CPU machines, you know, mm. a smaller machines for me, I will never get thousands of users on this, on this thing. And if you're going serverless or Lambda is even, even less because there's even impossible to have multiple threads in one, in one Lambda. This is always one-to-one like EJBs back then, right? Uh, yeah, sure. Like, uh, like Quarkus doesn't force users to use uh, reactive style of programming. Like, uh, it's perfectly suitable for traditional imperative type of exactly. uh, pro- programming. And if, uh, if the demands don't require reactive type of programming, then it would be fine to be- use. Very good, uh, because... What I what I what I get the 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 most asked question. So what happens right now? Fresh Quarkus project are starting with the reactive programming mutiny, because they are assuming they have to do this. I get it all over the place. This is why I ask you, and I say you don't have to do this. You know, if you for your app just write simple Java code, it's like no. We saw in the documentation, you know, the reactive is the future. It's like what is future is Loom. In one point of time, Quarkus will have to adapt to Loom. I mean, because it's part of the Java. I don't think they will implement their own stuff. And if they manage to implement Loom, it will just look like Java code. I don't, you get, you know, if you have reactive use cases, like a Kafka message comes in and I'm reacting to it, do something, this is reactive, then it's mutiny perfect. But for request response, it's just optimization for high, you know, for high scalability, as you said. That's uh, that's right, but uh, not very ultimate high scalability. For moderate 
scalability demands uni is the way to go right yeah very good so um we cover a little bit jaxores and uh, a little bit of corcus and uh, a little a little bit of performance so um but um just if you look at the at the security uh, uh, an overview of Quarkus. So the extensions that are relevant is one is called OpenID Connect or IDC extension for Quarkus, like the other yeah. one is JSON Web Token for MicroProfile, where you can get uh, inject JSON Web Tokens, and then one is from the I think Elitron security from the web server, right? So this is the relevant security possibilities you have, and of course we have the Java e security, which is based on the token security. Like I have the principal and role-based access control with the roles. So um, what interests me, when I would like to use the Elitron security, the lower level, is there a case for that? Or should I focus on open OIDC or JSON Web Token? Or what's, what's your take on this? Well, uh, we use Elitron libraries for as helper libraries in Quarkus security, okay. right? So, uh, but uh, we recommend, fully recommend OpenID Connect uh, for mm-hmm. production applications. Mm-hmm. And uh, using them on password authentication, how I would you know implement this with Quarkus? Let's say I have no old-fashioned small application without external IDP, uh, this is identity provider. So uh, could I still do it with Quarkus? Absolutely. We have several authentication mechanisms, uh, like basic authentication. So how, how we are implementing, authentic- maybe to listeners, how I would implement, you know, the basic authentication with Quarkus, which extension I will have to pick, you know, this will be interesting. Like it's uh, it's a built-in authentication. Okay. So it uh, comes, for example, if you use JAXRS endpoint, you don't have to use anything at any additional dependency. It comes as Vertex HTTP. And uh, it just built in into Quarkus, so you just don't have to. Uh, Very do good. You just uh, configure usernames, passwords, uh-huh. either in database or in properties for testing, and uh, it just works. Yeah, this is uh, great news. So because it means you know there's a very simple thing, it works. If you would like to have OpenID Connect, I would say the the, the out of the box solution would be to use Keycloak as an IDP, right? So this is fits well with Quarkus. Uh, no, it's uh, something. Uh, it's important to clarify that even though we recommend Keycloak as a as a OpenID Connect provider, Quarkus is not about specifically Keycloak, right? Yeah. Quarkus uh, OpenID Connect uh, extension is about uh, supporting any uh, any OpenID Connect provider available around. Yeah, but, uh, you know, um, yeah, but you have to know to have account, you know, you have to use Okta or you will have to use uh, uh, GitHub or something uh, external. But if I would like, you know, to launch something on a machine, so Keycloak would be the easiest one, right? So if I would like to have to my own provider, I would say Keycloak or, or, or is this another mock IDP or what you would use, you know? No, to- yeah, like if you're just starting up with OpenID Connect, uh, we have dev service for Keycloak. So we're just in dev mode launch Keycloak for you and you can literally use a live container mm-hmm. of Keycloak to test your application. So you don't, like, you'll be able to sign in to Keycloak from DevServices single page application and you'll be able to look at the tokens and you'll be able to use those tokens to submit to Quarkus to test. Mm-hmm. So what it means is that you can use Quarkus in dev mode and configure to, uh, to how to call it, to, to configure automatically Keycloak as it should be in order to make OpenID Connect work for Quarkus, right? 
Right, and uh, so you just in dev mode without any configuration, you start dev mode and Quarkus is, uh, and Kicklock will already be listening for requests, right? It will be launched under the hood. So, and Kicklock itself is a standard of the connect provider, so even if you don't plan to work with Kicklock okay. production, you can use it to test, to issue tokens, and you can... Oh. And you could use those standard tokens to test your application. So what it means is the OpenID Connect extension in dev mode brings Keycloak, some yeah. sort of Keycloak with... Oh, this is actually good news. It's a good, good, yeah. good yeah. hack, actually. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's good and, uh, and uh, it's very useful. And it can be used for testing as well. No, but we, we, use, we have Wiremox. For sure, but uh, if you prefer to work against live provider, then mm-hmm. uh, it would be good. <clears throat> this was what I always prefer because uh, you can mock out the entire environment, but you get strange errors also in production. No? You forget a port, you forget you know permission, and mm-hmm. then you spend days or hours at least or days to find a problem. What I try to do is say uh, Quarkus is just a runtime. And I don't try to mock out everything outside. I try, you know, to have real services to to test as early as possible the entire thing, and then you will find, you know, the the true problems. Otherwise, everything works in development, but it's really hard to make it work in integration. So, stage. Exactly. Very good. Um, what I would like to do is I would like to reinvite you back and talk about OpenID Connect and JSON Web Token specifically, just about that. And this is why I try to avoid this topic today because it will be way too long. Um, For for that, so where people can find you on the internet, or where you can, you know, what is your your Twitter Twitter uh, handle? What is you know your where you can find you know your work on Quarkus? Well, it's uh, Twitter. uh, My Twitter handle is Mm sberyoskin. Okay, well, I can s b e r y o z k i n, right and. uh, and I'm always online listening to Quarkus users asking questions. It will mm-hmm. be on Zulip or it will be Quarkus discussions. If you have a questions about OpenID Connect or anything related to Quarkus security, myself and my colleagues are listening every day. Oh, very good. Thank you. It was a really interesting story. And I learned that you never work for Sun. This will be interesting. So thank you for listening and see you next time. Thanks, Adam. Cheers.